We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking week eight fantasy football projections on the Rotoviz fantasy football podcast on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? All right, welcome back. Friendly listeners, dedicated listeners, it is week eight of the NFL season, and man, we're past the halfway point of the fantasy football regular season. Every matchup just so crucial, so vital, Uh, and we're going to go through the week eight game level similarity projections. Um, This is very useful part of our start sit uh, process. Uh, for for the teams that Dave and I co-manage, I mean, we've got a couple FFPC main event teams that we're co-managing, um, and I mean, this is a discussion for us every single week. So the GLSP, as we refer to them, uh, it's just using some historical data from you know fifty similar type matchups uh, for players who are similar to the subject player, and you know it's a, just one way to use data to to help make informed decisions. These are not specific to the player. They're specific to player profiles. So it's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, it's been a lot, a lot of success. We went two for three uh, on the um, deadly decisions we had to make last week, Dave. So, you know, hoping we can have a winning record on that again this week, just as a reminder, before we kind of dive in uh, this week in week eight, only two teams on by. So a little bit easier. Most of the players are going to be available, but the teams that are on by the Kansas city chiefs and the Los Angeles chargers full of fantasy firepower. Uh, so, you know, there, there's still going to be quite a few holes to fill uh, just not from, you know, a widest swath around the league. And then a couple key matchups that we want to highlight as we potentially get into some, you know, punt plays, even for season long lineup setting the dolphins at the lions, that game is going to be nuts. Um, Tua was probably, you know, cut in many leagues and single QB leagues, redraft leagues. Um, and, you know, last week was kind of a, 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 you know, a feeler game. You know, this isn't going to be a game where he announces himself as fully back. I have zero doubts about that. Um, that that's one that I think could really turn into a shootout as well. So it'd be fun to focus on that one and other matchups. Dave, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. 
Um, I've had a chance now to review some of these. We've got a couple of exciting projections in there. Our teams are really starting to hit their stride, which always feels good. So I can't wait to get a sneak preview here of how these guys might do. Oh man. You know, the team that, that we're really excited about, um, it's, it was our first of two main event teams that, that we drafted. We're, we're now starting Jonathan Taylor. Um, Oh, who is Jonathan Taylor. Kenneth Walker. And uh, we also Josh Jacobs in that backfield. And, and Josh Jacobs. <laughs> so, you know, we've got like three top eight running backs that were, that were firing away on there. And, you know, like, you know, that was it. That was a, you know, hero RB team with Jonathan Taylor at the top. And then we, you know, we ate it a long time. I think we got Jacobs in like the eighth round and Walker in the ninth round or something like that. So uh, exciting team, Dave, it's right at the cusp of the top 200. We've climbed like a 900 spots in two weeks. Wow. So that team is on the up, man. All right, well, let's go over to the GLSP and start diving in to some of the projections uh, for this weekend. So I'm going to dial it up here. It's on rotoviz.com. So if you stumbled upon this broadcast, oh, that's right, Dave, you have to share. <laughs> you know, we found this out last week. I still, oh, right. I still have to update something on my stream yard with the new Mac. Okay. Uh, but if, if you stumbled onto this while Dave's pulling that up, if you stumbled onto this live stream, just on Twitter, you know, you don't know who Dave or I are, uh, or you've, you know, listened to the show, but haven't actually gone over to rotaviz.com. It's one of our 30 plus tools that we have on the site are the, the GLSP and, uh, Dave will share his screen and we'll go through some of the more notable, uh, standout players at each position. And then also some deeper plays, uh, as you get into some of your, Start sit conundrum. So you can see right away at the quarterback position to nobody's surprise, Josh Allen leading the way Joe Burrow now on a, a little bit of a, a mini tear over the last couple of weeks after his slow start. But then we see, you know, Mar Marcus Mariota with the, the rushing production, you know, continues to find his way in, into the top of the quarterback ranks. Not so sure that you can start him over some of the other quarterbacks that are named Daniel Jones, however, and Jimmy Garoppolo are names that I would trust uh, to, to finish as QB ones um, just based off of the strength of the weapons for Jimmy G and then for Daniel Jones, he's getting it done with his legs now, but that giants offense seems to be finding a little bit of stride now that Wandale Robinson is back in the lineup or I guess in the lineup for the first time, I should say. And Saquon Barkley continues to be, I mean, you can set your clock to that guy. He's just so consistent this year. Dave, who stands out to you at quarterback for week eight? Well, I think you, you hit the players that I was going to mention all three of them. Uh, very impressive to see Marcus Mariota land where he does. And if we drill down into why the tool is coming out with this impressive line, uh, it is driven by that rushing production. Uh, he's expected against Carolina to put up nearly 40 yards and also 40% of the quarterbacks that he matches with scored touchdowns when facing defenses like Carolina's. As a result of that, Curtis, over 30% of his matches bested at 25 points. That gives him a very high 75th percentile projection this week of 26.9 and a 50th percentile GLSP of 20.8. So it is okay. hard to okay. ignore that. <laughs> okay. I hear you. Uh, I've got a, I've got a squad in the Kings classic that, um, you know, I've got Justin Herbert on by and I've not been carrying a QB two. And so, you know, some of these other guys are not going to be available. It's a 14 team league. I think Mariota was on 
waivers. You talked me into placing a feeler bid there, Dave. Uh, or, or should I say the GLSP talked me into it? Yes, yes, it, it certainly did. Uh, Daniel Jones, also 40% of his matches uh, scored a touchdown. His passing numbers a little bit lower, but still had 24% of his matches, best 25 points. Uh, so they become very intriguing options for teams in need of a quarterback. If we're looking for players that at this point, I've started thinking about who I'm going to write up in the GLSP article as potential streamers at quarterback. Uh, Jared Goff is owned in less than 50% of ESPN leagues at this point has the most favorable GLSP of players that are likely to be widely available in your league. Andy Dalton actually projects decently as well. Um, I believe, though, there's it's not exactly clear as to who the Saints will be playing at quarterback this week. Yeah, weekend. I think you have to you just have to keep an eye on that. But I mean, the Raiders <laughs> just just smash the start against Button on on that defense. I I don't know. They're not going to be able to guard Alave. There's not. Um, and I think the Saints are going to have Michael Thomas back as well. So whichever quarterback does start, and of course, you know Dalton had that crazy week last week where. What he threw, I think he threw like six total touchdowns. If you can count, if you count the two <laughs> pick sixes uh, that he threw, uh, you know. So I don't know if it's going to be him or if it's going to be Jameis. But I, I agree, that's actually a great spot to go. Uh, that's a little bit more under the radar. I think yep. the the attention will be on some of those um, names that you know can win with their legs a little bit. So good, good one to sneak in there. Let's head over to page two and yep. just uh, check out a couple of those players as well. Um, I think that's low. For Tua now, it's probably pulling in. Is it pulling in his missed games here? Could that be driving him down? I mean, because it's certainly not the matchup against Detroit. I mean, yeah, players against no. defenses like Detroit should be smashed. Um, you would not have missed games being pulled in. You would have games games so that he did have to vacate early. Um, okay, yeah. So that would contribute to it too. Also, sometimes we do see weird things. Um where even though the player is facing a bad defense for whatever reason, the type of profile that he has just hasn't worked out against those defenses, uh, which okay. is always kind of interesting to see. Um, but I would agree with you. I'm expecting to, uh, to outperform what we're seeing here. I also think uh, a little, it's a little bit more into desperation zone, but I think he's going to be available in basically every league did not have to spend, you know, waiver dollars on him. Uh, but if, if, you know, you're listening to this, on Wednesday morning, or even if you're watching this live stream right now and you're like, Oh crap, uh, I didn't pick anybody up for Patrick Mahomes and my waiver deadline passed Taylor Heineke, I I think is going to be fine. Um, I think you can go ahead and pencil in like 16 to 18 fantasy points for him already showing that chemistry with Terry McLaurin, you know, the second start, the rust is going to be further off. So, uh, if you miss out on those, those page one guys, he would be another one on page two that I would mention. For sure. So I think we've hit the quarterbacks I wanted to talk about there. Let's go over to running back. We'll go to page one. Unsurprisingly, Curtis, uh, we see a number of players at the top here that have been really crushing it this year in Derek Henry, Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. As you look through the rest of the list, I'll kind of let you take the first crack at if there's any interesting names. There's uh, one or two that I see here that I think are worth pointing out. 
Well, we continue to see, uh, you know, the, the standouts of 2022 climb up uh, in, in this tool now. And Damian Pierce has been there for a while. It, I think this may be the highest we've seen Ramondre Stevenson. Yep. Um, and, you know, congratulations to him. Um, Christian McCaffrey, you know, I don't, I don't know that it has a lot of appreciation for, you know, the scheme that he's in or anything. But, um, you know, after last week kind of getting – I don't know, eased into the offense to expect a heavy workload for him. Uh, you know, the only other name that I would mention, I'm not sure that we've seen Aaron Jones on page one um, too often. So, you know, that's encouraging for uh, the Green Bay Packer. And then DeAndre Swift is expected to be back from injury this week as well. So uh, I think that's noteworthy. For sure. The the player I did want to draw some attention to here, it's really interesting to see Gus Edwards yeah. landing yeah. In yeah. the top 12 here. Now, if we were to take a look in the NFL Stat Explorer, just to get a sense of the type of things that Gus Edwards has been doing, uh, if you go back to 2020, because he missed 2021, you have some of those games pulling in here. Uh, he's certainly helped by two 18-point game stretches that are getting into his sample. And of course, the performance over the weekend where he put up 18 Point six points saw 16 rushing attempts uh that type of volume will certainly boost things up so what i would say is though this is really exciting uh we have seen him limited already this week in practice yeah. and you know we're kind of this is really based off of one meaningful game ha that has the context of this season so it is encouraging but there's a lot of things you're gonna have to pay attention to there as the week unfolds I think that uh, some of the more interesting plays come when we get on to page two. Uh, you see Kenneth Walker um, landing just behind Nick Chubb. They're both expected to land in that 11 and a half to 12 and a half point range. Eno Benjamin, though, Curtis, a name that I wanted to call out here. We see him solidly in RB2 territory. Now, he's been helped out by the fact that the other backs there are banged up and the team has had to rely on him a bit more than you might expect. Uh, he's expected to put up, or I should say his matches produced an average of 10 rushing attempts for 46 yards, 30% scored a rushing touchdown, uh, averaged three targets, uh, almost three receptions in 18 yards so he does not have the upside that some of the other options in that range might um only eight percent of his matches bested 20 points but he does get um more than like 35 percent or actually almost 40 percent into that 10 to 20 range so i think it was interesting to see him land that highly uh daryl henderson uh, who we're looking forward to getting back on some teams also firmly yeah. in uh, RB2 range. And we'll just call out Najee Harris at this point now, slipping, uh, as you might expect, down to the projection of RB30 on the week. And he's just, you know, slowly creeping back each week. We also see uh, Travis Etienne uh, down here. Obviously, we expect his workload to change. Uh, we know a little bit more about his situation than the GLSP. Uh, app does at this point, of course, with James Robinson no longer in town. Uh, another thing to mention on Henderson, uh, we actually do have uh, some sample from earlier this season when the Rams played the 49ers, and that's that's indeed the matchup this weekend. Uh, he had a very meager 7-27-0 line on the ground, 3-12-0 uh, 
through the air, of course, uh, at that point, that was in one of the couple games that uh, Cam Akers was getting heavier run. The 49ers do also have a very stout uh, defense against opposing fantasy backs. Certainly. So the final couple of backs that I wanted to mention here, um, Khalil Herbert, Antonio Gibson, both in the nine point range, uh, Alvin Kamara, as far as top running backs go, it's kind of interesting to see him finishing down in like on the borderline here of being an RB three. Also Devin Singletary, not projected very favorably. And he's a player that normally scores pretty well in the tool. And for me as a player that, um, is always kind of borderline getting into my lineups. He projects against the Packers with just eight rushing attempts for 32 yards, four targets for three receptions in 22 yards. What the GLSP does not like for him this week is it sees very, very low potential given his uh, matches of getting into the end zone. And as a result of that, just 7% of his matches, Curtis, going for more than 15 points. And we actually see nearly 70% of his matches being held under 10. So it could be a rough week for Devin Singletary. Dalvin Cook also um, projecting much lower this week than you might expect. And I just have to call it out because I made a joke about this player the other day. But Latavius Murray <laughs> with the 44th highest uh, average projection, man. Yeah. yeah, he's he's still registering. He's got a, he's got a heartbeat. It's faint. <laughs> he's got a heartbeat. Okay. Yep. Um, hey, we so we did get uh, we're getting some questions coming in on Twitter. Okay, uh, nice. Now as people are are watching the stream here. So, uh, what does the GLSP say about Daryl Henderson versus Brian Robinson? I think based off you flipping through there, it had Henderson, but let's put them head to head because it's one of the features of the tool, uh, which I think is great. Uh, you can of course look at the list, which we've been doing in this episode so far. But you have the comparison tab here, which Dave has flipped into, and now you can graph uh, or or plot, you know, the the fifty sim, uh, yep. not fifty sim uh, performances of the two players, and see what comes up. Yeah. So what you'll see here is it uh, it's not as large of a margin as I might have thought it would be. You have Henderson getting a couple of matches greater than twenty five. They are at the same percentages in the 20 to 25 bucket where you really see the differences though. 17% of Henderson's matches went from 15 to 20, just 10% for Brian Robinson. uh, And then 40% of his matches held under five, just 32% of Henderson's. So not a massive difference, uh, but this would lean in the favor of Henderson, Uh, I'm also inclined to say that I think if I had to come at this with the type of model that I might have in my mind, so more subjectively, I'd probably also lean toward Henderson. What do you think, Curtis? Yeah, I just think the competition for touches is so different. Um, You know, I think both of these players, the the type of players they are, you're hoping for touchdowns. Henderson is more likely, I think, to get a handful of targets than Robinson, you know, with Robinson competing for, you know, the passing game looks with Antonio Gibson uh, and J.D. McKissick. So, I, I, I don't know. I think Henderson edges out, you know, on all the the tiebreakers in terms of, you know, the attractive type of touches for fantasy. Sure. Any other okay. running back questions? Oh, sorry. I'll, I'll let you drive. Uh, yeah, no, no other running. We do have some wide receiver and tight end questions. So, okay. I think we can get to those uh, as we review those uh, positions. All right, cool. So, wide receiver... 
I don't know if we've talked about it yet. I think you might have highlighted this. Uh, the Miami Dolphins set up for a spot where they could absolutely yeah. crush. Tyreek Hill with an average of 21.2 points, a 75th percentile of 28.2, looking very, very strong. Other players that you would expect to see at the top, like Adams, Jefferson, Cooper Cup, and Diggs. Name probably worth calling out DeAndre Hopkins coming off a 14-target, 10-reception performance, already getting back into the, uh, you know, top tier of our listing Now, this is pulling in information for Hopkins from last year. He projects against the Vikings with nine targets, six and a half receptions, 75 yards, and half of his matches found the end zone. Gives him a very nice distribution, largely concentrated past 10 points. So we could see another exciting game from him. Uh, Devonta Smith, probably the biggest surprise that makes his way into the top of our listing this week. We do see Greg Dortch hanging around, um, <laughs> but I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna just going to make that an audio drop at this point. I feel like that's like, we, we mentioned that every week at this point. Yep. And I, yeah. I there, there's reasons why it's happening, but I think we know at this point yeah. that it's, a, it's definitely an offense that has changed. Uh, and, I don't think that you're going to see Greg Dorch doing what he was doing early on in the season, but back to Devonta Smith, 8.7 targets expected 6.1 receptions, 76 yards and half of his matches found the end zone. He actually had around 24% of his matches going over 25 points, Curtis, which is pretty impressive. Uh, It is interesting that you also see, 24% of his match is going between 10 to 15. So his highest concentrations come in those two buckets. I would say at the very least though, it looks like this should be a solid outing for Smith with the potential for it to be a very high scoring outing for him. Uh, Any player that you wanted to call attention to before we move on to the players from 13 to 24. No, the the comment that I have isn't even player specific. Yep. It, I mean, if this if this dashboard view right here isn't the biggest advertisement for why you should draft zero RB, I don't know what is, <laughs> because right. you know every single week we're pulling up the running back position, and like there's really only three to four names that have been static on there, you know, for the balance of the season, and every single week we pull up the wide receivers, and it's the same cast of characters. These roles are rock solid. The upside that they have is is just you know unmatched, and yeah, I mean every single player that's listed there, um, you've you've got a good return on your investment, uh, except for arguably maybe uh, you know uh, Amon Ross St. Brown just because he's missed a few games, but you know that's obviously not his fault. Um, so yeah, and even then, I mean it's it's a mid round draft pick, and he's going to smash as healthy. So yeah, that's uh that's my takeaway there. I mean, yes, no, sir. there's no, there's no wish there. Yeah. I mean, it really stands out when you start looking through here. Um, other players that uh, we could expect to have good games, Jacoby Myers. Uh, mm-hmm. It does like has him behind Debo Samuel. I think it becomes a little bit harder to play Myers um, given the, uncertainty of what things are going to look like at quarterback. This offense, not looking very good uh, against the bears on Monday night. We'll have to see, but Brandon Ayuk now with a couple of nice games with Garoppolo back under center produces an average of 
5.4 points. Looks like a player that can definitely get into lineups fairly safely this week, despite how things started off uh, to the year. Chris Olave comes in behind CD Lamb in the middle of the wide receiver two tier, expected to put up around 15 points. Curtis, I know you had mentioned it. Was that before we went live or was that actually on air that you think he's just going to explode or that the defense will not be able to cover him this week? Yeah, I don't know which it was, but I feel like uh, the Raiders trying to play cover two, like Olave is like the player you would draw up to be cover two. Like, yep. Yeah. Uh, good luck passing off that assignment as he blazes <laughs> through the zone uh, at, you know, four, three plus. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be murder for them to try to guard a lot He's going to have a great week. Yep. Tyler Lockett had a pretty strong projection. Um, 15.1 points. Now it's going to be interesting if DK Metcalf is unable to play to see what Seattle does yeah. to make up for that. Um, so, you know, it could be hard to determine how much work shifts the way of Lockett, but at the very least, looking like he should be positioned for success uh, in his matchup. Getting a little bit lower on the list, we see Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, DJ Moore, Drake London actually coming in, Curtis, at, at the wide receiver three spot. Uh, of course, it's been difficult sledding for London and Pitts the last couple of weeks against Cincinnati saw just one target had just four targets against San Francisco. I might be more inclined to fade this to some degree, but people that drafted Darnell Mooney will be excited to see him coming in the yeah. highest that he has since the beginning of the season expected to put up around 11.6 points. He's ahead of players like Gabe Davis, uh, Chris Godwin, Josh Reynolds, uh, Gabe Davis, not expected to have the explosive type of performance that he has been accustomed to, uh, at least in some of the weeks this year with just 11.2 points. Um, interesting to see somebody like Matt Collins now finding his way in to the top 45, as well as George Pickens. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, uh, going back to Lockett just for a minute as you highlighted him, if nothing else, you know, we could look at his distribution and it, I think, make a pretty informed guess that his floor will be raised. Um, you know, DK, the most likely scenario is that DK is going to miss one week. And, um, you know, the, the Seattle is at home in this matchup. You're not going to, you know, you're not, DK is not going to play unless he absolutely can go. You're not going to risk the rest of your season when you're, you know, you're actually competing. Um, you know, and, and DK is so vital to everything that they're doing there. Kenneth Walker has been running hot. I think they try to get by a game without DK, let him get fully healthy. So, you know, if we take DK's, you know, half dozen plus targets per game and give most of those to Lockett, you know, this still has been a concentrated offense um, from a, a passing volume perspective. And so, you know, I, I mean, who, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about Marquise Goodwin as the two? Now, I mean, I, I, you know, Will Disley, Noah Fant. I mean, it's a bunch of it's a it's a cast of characters that has not been bankable week to week to week. So I think the most likely thing that will occur is uh, Tyler Lockett will see increased target volume. You know, with just a smattering of involvement for the rest of the team. Sure. Uh, that being that being said, you know, there's been a lot of uh, wide receivers find their way to 15 plus PPR against the giants over the, the past, you know, half dozen weeks or so per the NFL stat explorer. Uh, so yeah, I, I like his chances even more so than, than the GLSP are stating, I think. Yeah, certainly. So I think we've hit the majority of players I wanted to talk about there. You see uh, Curtis Samuel, um, coming in fairly low, Terry McLaurin fairly low. Of course, with the change at quarterback, it's hard to know how that might impact them. Do we want to field any of those wide receiver questions while uh, while we're here? Yeah, sure. Uh, one one thing, real quick, on those Colts wide receivers. You know, we could have some backup connection narrative going. You know, I, I would think during camp that uh, while they they were getting healthy slash uh, getting acclimated to the team uh, both Alec Pierce and Paris Campbell probably got more reps with uh, Sam Ellinger than uh, Michael Pittman did so you know Paris Campbell's actually been on a heater um, the past couple of weeks here too um, and so I think that could be interesting to monitor Dave Paris Campbell has 41.7 PPR points the last two weeks uh, he's wow. been a wide, rec- wide receiver one in each of the last two weeks with 23 uh, targets in that stretch yeah, he's he's really smashing. And now, you know, he, he probably I'm gonna say he's probably caught more balls from from Ellinger and or you know Nick Foles during camp than he than he did from from Matt Ryan. Probably. And 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 if he didn't, it was way cl- it's way closer than than one might have thought. There's no way for me to prove any of this, but you know, uh Pierce as well. 
you know, Pierce, uh, I think they tried to have him as the wide receiver too early on. And then, you know, wasn't really working out. He kind of work, work his way back into um, getting, you know, a lot of looks and, and he's had a couple of decent games so far this year. But I think you look, you look for the guys from the second team, the guys from the third team to perform well uh, when the backup comes in. So yeah, I, I have my eye on Paris Campbell for sure. I'm wondering if he can make it a third straight week with uh, a wide receiver one performance. Dave, I will go to one of our start sit conundrums we have. Yep. So a couple of these main event teams, we ended up pretty deep at the position. So we thought during the draft, but then it gets just a little bit more difficult uh, week to week when it, some of these guys are struggling. So let's pit Deontay Johnson versus Cortland Sutton once again. I think we did it last week. Yep. And, uh, you know, and, and, and Jacoby. Jacoby's the third one. So we've got to kind of go, you know, round robin with these three. Uh, last week, I believe Jacoby Myers um, won out. We'll have to see who wins this week. Yeah. So Sutton comes in uh, ahead of Deontay Johnson in fairly convincing fashion. Has him by about 10% um, between 10 to 15 at 15 to 20. And then also uh, we see 10% of Sutton's matches going over 25. Uh, Johnson does not get any of his matches into that range. Yeah. Uh, In fact, around, not around, 49% of Johnson's matches went between 5 to 10. So, you know, he's... (laughs) Very much sandwiched, almost over seventy percent. Curtis uh, of his matches were held under ten points, so not what you want to see from Deontay Johnson. So if we put up Cortland Sutton here against Jacoby Myers to round this out and compare their distributions, it actually does favor Jacoby Myers uh, as he is has 16% of his matches going between 20 to 25 and another 16 over 25. So 32% of his matches going over 20 points. Uh, So this would lean in the, in the favor of Myers. Of course, the other thing that we have to talk about here is the possibility that Russell Wilson doesn't play and it's Brett Ripien and how that might impact Cortland Sutton. So we'll have to pay attention to that, to both quarterback situations really, and maybe revisit this one, uh, you know, before the weekend starts. Yeah. Three, three teams in, in shambles, the signal caller uh, position. I will say uh, Jacoby, despite, you know, playing with a couple different, well, I don't, I don't have week seven data in here in the weekly static explorer. Week yet. seven was not good. Yeah, he he before until week seven, uh, he had not scored fewer than 10 PPR uh, in any game yet this season, which, you know, is far more consistent. Unfortunately, you know, Cortland Sutton has seen, uh, you know, he's seen his production really tail off each of the last two weeks as well. Um, So we may have to continue to come back to this one. And and it might be uh, might be the the quarterback uh, availability that ultimately sways this one, one direction uh, or another. I did get a question. We can use this uh, for sure. flex purposes as well. Yep. Typically on the show, we highlight, you know, same position uh, players against one another, but a question has come in James Robinson or Michael Gallup. So James Robinson switching teams. And we just saw this happen with Christian McCaffrey. It's kind of hard to get acclimated and have a big role. Uh, when you're moving during the course of the week, he will have, you know, an extra, what, 48 hours than CMC had. And Gallup just hasn't really, you know, gotten himself asserted uh, yet in this Dallas offense yet. So uh, let's see what the tool says. So 
it would give a pretty significant edge here to Robinson as Gallup has just uh, 3% of his matches going beyond 15 points. Mm. Um, you could argue, though, that his... No, his floor is probably worse, too, than James Robinson's. But it's hard, right? Because of the context of Robinson here. Uh, I definitely don't want to have to be choosing between these two yeah. players here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a tough spot, man. I mean, I think I... Spot. I think I'd probably go Gallup, despite what yeah. we're seeing the GLSP say. Uh, yeah, that's the from the GLSP uh, perspective, it, it's a clear win for Robinson. I wanted to dive in just to see what types of players are having success um, in the in these types of matchups in the NFL Statics Board. So I'm looking at James Robinson right now. He is facing off against Denver, and they uh, they've been pretty friendly over the past five weeks to the running back position. So. Uh, they've allowed the eighth most PPR to opposing running backs, the fourth most uh, expected fantasy points to running backs over that span, and um, the 14th most, or I guess, you know, middling fantasy points over expectation. When you look into the types of backs who are getting this production against them and, and getting home, um, it's really both types of backs we've seen as well. I mean, we saw uh, uh, four, rushing, four rushing touchdowns in the past four weeks, um, and in three of those four weeks, opposing squads rushed for over 100 yards using their running backs. However, we also see teams target the running back heavily against the Broncos. Actually, 18 targets uh, to the running back position in week six, thanks to uh, Austin Eckler so, being in that game. But even Sorry, in, in not, not to cut you off here, though. Yeah. But is it Denver-Jacksonville? Oh, it doesn't have. We don't have uh, right. J. Rob. Right, trade over. hasn't hasn't yeah. actually transacted yet in the system. So yeah, we got to break it down different. Then okay, uh, I will have to come back. I will get back to you, Twitter user, on the NFL Statics War breakdown. The GLSP say J. Rob. Dave's gut says Gallup, and I will get back to you <laughs> on Twitter with uh, the breakdown of the Jets' backfield and their matchup this week. Yep. All right. Does that bring us over to tight end? Yeah. All right. Let's do it. So tight end, uh, as you might expect, Mark Andrews sits ahead of the pack with 17 uh, and a half points in his average GLSP, followed by players like Day, uh, TJ Hawkinson, David Njoku, Zach Ertz, Mike Gesicki getting some love this week. Did like Daniel Bellinger, of course. He uh, does not look like he'll be able to go the most interesting name that you're probably going to see is Greg Delsich already yeah. uh, getting into uh, high territory here with an average GLSP of nine points. Of course, our boy Hayden Hurst rounding out the top 12 at the tight end position. Irv Smith also projected fairly nicely this week on the year. Irv Smith is averaging... Let me get the exact number for us here. Uh, he's averaging 7.3 PPR per game. Best game of the year for him came in week two against Philadelphia, where he put up his only wide receiver one performance of the year. Uh, he is projected with an average of 11 points. And Minnesota is playing uh, Arizona. He's projected with 5.4 
uh, points, or excuse me, 5.4 targets, 3.7 receptions, and 60% of his matches found the end zone, thus the very favorable projection. If we continue down the list, uh, we'll see... Trying to find if there anybody that stands out to you here, Curtis, as a, as a player that we need to mention. I mean, tight end is just so ugly that once you get past the first page, there's really not even a whole lot to break down. Yeah, well, on the first page, David Njoku looks like he's going to miss significant time as well. Yeah, and so um, a player that I wanted to bring up as a potential stash, uh, who really was an effective receiver uh, in college and has popped a couple times uh, in the NFL, Harrison Bryant. Uh, I think that he can he can assert himself in a, in a meaningful receiving role. I mean, the Browns have you know made real efforts to feature Njoku this season for the first time in, in his career. You know, it's, it's hard to really unpack whether that's due to them finally realizing Njoku's talent or whether they just think that featuring the tight end matches well with Brissett's skill set. Um, and I guess we won't really find out until we see, you know, a couple games without Njoku, but on, you know, I, I think there's enough there uh, that I would be interested in Harrison Bryant. I don't think there's a lot of, you know, a lot of waiver uh, smoke there uh, or, you know, fire underneath. So you can probably go pick him up after waivers clear if you found yourself uh, empty handed uh, after uh, you put in your fab uh, bids this week. The other thing that I wanted to mention with Dulcich, man, um, I mean, 12 targets the past two weeks does have a, a receiving touchdown. And, you know, one of the start sits that came in on Twitter was start Kyle Pitts or Greg Dulcich. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and this on, is honestly, wild. I, I think it's super fair, man. Like it is, I, I can't, I can't answer Pitts in good conscience, man. Like I can't. Yeah. Like I, I, I think you should start Greg Dulcich over Kyle Pitts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you think about the likelihood of the opportunities that these players are going to have to get fantasy points. You really just can't put it towards pits. Doesn't matter how talented the guy is. That situation is just so bad. And maybe he's not even as talented as everybody thinks. We really can't even decipher that given the limited amount of opportunity that uh, we're seeing for him. So at this point, yeah, I I agree. feels nuts to say, but uh, yeah, you got to go with Greg. I mean, okay. Pitts has scored more than five PPR one time in six games this year. So this is not like, this is a big sample size. In this iteration of the Falcons offense, Pitts is not it. So, yeah, um, at Vasher, no, not at Vasher, uh, at Eric D66, you are uh, more than welcome to start Greg Dulcich. Yeah. For, for those on the podcast, Dave's uh, facial expression was priceless there. Uh, <laughs> almost as priceless as he was like earnestly trying to warn me from going full Ron Burgundy, just reading what's on my screen, thinking that James Robinson was still on the Jaguars. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a easy, easy. <laughs> I was in a flow easy. state and he didn't want, and I, I just couldn't be interrupted. But yeah, yeah well, fun times. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's better to stop things. <laughs> when they're halfway, then when they, when you get to the when you get to the end, um, oh, any other it. questions or have we uh, have we gone through everything? I mean, I think this week, uh, you know, not as many uh, tight end to talk about as as weeks prior. 
we did we do have one more flex uh question that nice. has, uh just popped in it's actually a two ppr premium for tight ends um so an extra half point even versus what we see in the ffpc format and it's flex isaiah mckenzie or juan johnson all right oh this is a fun one yeah those are definitely two players i've never pitted head to head in this tool before all right so one thing that we will do here is just look at Jawan Johnson's stat line to f- determine how much of this is coming from receptions. Um, his average based upon his comps is 2.7 receptions. Um, so the boost that he's going to get, how many points did we say it was? Well, it'd be 5.4 then because okay, it's a yep. two PPR premium. Yep. So what was that line? That line was 2.7 for 29 and 0.3 touchdowns. Yep. 26 so 5.4 what is that seven and then a third of a touchdown uh 8.2 would be like 8.2 pbr i think okay okay all right and then just to give us a comparison here mckenzie draws 3.2 receptions 35 yards and 0.3 touchdowns so you're probably looking at something fairly similar when you actually look at their distributions, which uh, I don't know favors Johnson to some extent, depending on how you look at it. Right. Cause Isaiah McKenzie does have a very slim percentage going over 25. Um, it's kind of a hard one here though. Right. Because Johnson has so many underneath five that uh, of course, you have to factor that in. It's a bit of a toss-up here, Curtis. I'm actually not sure that the GLSP can can give you a confident direction to go unless oh. you interpret this graph differently. Well, I mean, so let's just think about the nature of the question. If you're actually having to flex, like we're not talking about the starting Juwan Johnson at tight end. We're talking about maybe having to flex him. <laughs> so you, you have to flex Juwan Johnson yep. or Isaiah McKenzie. I mean, like you can throw the floor out the window. Like yeah. neither one of these players has a floor. Um, there, there just isn't one. So I think, I think it's a ceiling only mm-hmm. uh, situation and you know, it, it, it seems like. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, you've got to, you've got yeah. to break this tie here by looking at Isaiah McKenzie, 34%, 10 to 15, Juwan Johnson, 12, 10 to 15. And then you do have McKenzie with some players up in that above 25. But but even even within this distribution, this distribution isn't adjusted for this manager's right. two PPR situation. And so I think you know when when you look at that fifteen to twenty and twenty to twenty five and above twenty five, I mean those games would be even bigger uh, than they appear here for Johnson if we adjusted for the two PPR. So I, I like that Saints Raiders game better than I like this Bills Packers game as well. Um. So, uh, yeah, I, I would lean Johnson here. And that was from Cody Holland at Squ- at Squoogee. Um, yeah, uh, Cody Holland, we will take Juwan Johnson here. Or so I, Curtis will anyway. This this really highlights one of the things that I talk about. Uh, I, I find myself, at least the people that I talk to about fantasy football in real life, that I find reminding them, a lot of these things that you agonize and then you you beat yourself up for hours over on Sunday when one player goes, you know, for 25 and the player that you played instead gets like four points. These are things where, you know, you're going to get these decisions wrong a lot. 
right? When you're making decisions between two players like this, which sometimes you have to, there's no great science here. No, it's, it's Isaiah McKenzie and Juwan Johnson, man. <laughs> um, so like the, I, I wouldn't want to try. Yeah. Uh, it, this, this is a 50 game sample. I think if you, if we could adjust it on the fly yep. uh, to, to solve for the two PPR and, and, and the, in, in my opinion, the, the better matchup, uh, the Saints against the Raiders. This is Johnson hands down for me. Yep. And if it doesn't work out, we will leave. And I'll just blame it on these players being bad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it'll be fine, man. It'll All be right. fine. Do we have a, a, anything else we need to hit before we uh, close out? Um, let me just uh, take one last look here. Uh, I think, oh, yeah, I wanted to look at defense. We don't, oh, we've yes. only done this one other time this season. Uh, but I want to remind people uh, that y- this is a great way to identify some streaming defenses. And Dave, we're in a situation where on both of our main event teams, on, on one of them, uh, we've been rolling with Denver for the past month or so. Uh, they were running hot a little bit, but then the last two weeks they've fallen off and the whole team has kind of fallen off. It's not yeah. a defense I really want to I really want to chase anymore. We do have Minnesota coming back from by uh, and the other situ- on the other squad. And Denver is probably cuttable. But my, my question for both of these, I guess, is, you know, one, you know, who are some good streamers uh, according, just in general, according to the GLSP this week? And then two, does Minnesota rate highly enough that we don't have to try to replace them and Denver on the team where we've been rostering two, two defenses? Sure. Well, I'll it start. Looks like a, <laughs> it looks like a no. <laughs> Minnesota yeah. is at the bottom of the pack this week. Yeah. Um, so they are not an option. I very honestly cannot speculate as to which defenses could be streamers based upon availability. Um, but I'll hit some of the teams that I think. I'm just looking for those ceiling games, man. Like that, like this is, you know, we're, we're playing and we're playing in some, right. you know, New England, Cincinnati, situation. Dallas, Indianapolis, Tennessee, Atlanta, the Rams, saints and commanders and Raiders. Uh, would have the best ceilings if you're looking for something yeah, in that range. Yeah, they're all 11 and higher, and, and a couple of those teams are definitely going to be you know, available. Fal- Falcons are, are uh, widely available. Titans are going to be available yep. in a fair number of leagues as well, uh, and the Raiders are not a highly rostered uh, defense either. So those are three good options that I think that we can explore. We can, uh, on, you know, on our own time, we will look at the strength of schedule streaming app and see what type of, you know, upcoming matchups each of those defense has, uh, you know, if we're going to spend some fab on them, it'd be great to be able to use them for a couple of weeks and not have to go back to that. Well, yep, definitely. So it's always a great way to address that position, looking at the GLSP, getting a couple of options for the current week, then popping into the strength of schedule streaming app and seeing if any of those defenses could be used for multiple weeks. So that takes us through our week eight projections preview Thursday night. We will get into the passing game matchups and make a little bit more sense, perhaps of some of the players that we've talked about. So taking it even a step further, any parting words, Curtis, I think we, what's up? Oh, wow. He's going to do me like that. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.